Welcome to the Fitness Candor Podcast. Your host, Eric Feigl, will be bringing you the truth about exercise and the fitness industry. You'll hear from fitness professionals, exercise science professors and researchers, fitness industry entrepreneurs and leaders, as well as people who simply love to talk shop. Stick around after the show to learn how you can get your topic in an upcoming episode. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Fitness Candor Podcast. I am joined today once again by my cohort and sidekick, Bill Pache. Last time we had an episode, uh, we got into kind of an introduction into what it's like to train legs. So uh, today it was basically a teaser, but today we're going to break down into five topics and talk about, um, I guess a, a better way to put it would be like kind of like the do's and don'ts of leg training. And then I think what we're going to do from here on is kind of pick a topic and and maybe uh, a muscle group and kind of go down and do a similar fashion, which uh, we just talked about before the podcast. So this is actually being recorded before the next one's being released. So this is kind of interesting how this is all playing out. But uh, Bill, welcome to the show again, sir. Hey, thanks, Eric. Uh, Good to be here again. Maybe I shouldn't. I'm just going to stop saying welcome. And just we'll just say that you're just here. <laughs> okay. So we'll just that say Bill, Bill's here again. Okay. So um, where we left off last time, we kind of got into, um, you know, how specifically how a person should train their legs, quads, um, hamstrings, what's important in training calves, and why to pay attention to like ankle mobility. So we're going to kind of break down all these little nuances and maybe get a little more specific for, for people. So um, I know one of the topics that we briefly touched on was people should stop training their legs like a power lifter. And you have a lot more, well, you have 100% more expertise in powerlifting than I do. So explain what that, what the powerlifting leg workout or routine or that idea looks like. And maybe um, we can kind of branch off from there. Well, I, the biggest thing that, that comes into play, and like I said, I've seen all across the internet, uh, a lot of young guys, uh, they're, first of all, they're belting up with powerlifting belts, and um, they're basically putting on sleeves or knee wraps as well as part of it. And where they put the bar for their squats and how they're squatting, they're squatting like a, a powerlifter. And, and a powerlifter is going to squat with a wider stance. Okay. okay, and it's going to be basically more of a hip and back lift. And if you look, look majority of the people, they're going to put the bar down low to gain leverage. And you have a lot of young guys and gals too that are doing that, and that is not optimum for for full leg development. You, you know, maybe the glutes and hips and everything, and, and a lot of lower back. Okay, is really um, the prime movers. You know, for the squat when they do it that way. Plus, they're using artificial. The reason you use a belt, a thick powerlifting belt, is for intra-abdominal pressure, so you can lift more weight. Right. Especially if you're if you're bent over, okay, with your legs basically with your stance wide, and then couple that, you throw uh, you throw lower reps into it, and um, gravity uh, comes into play as well, which means they're they are 
um, going into the bottom of the squat and, and the descent is at too high of a rate and basically they're not getting any tension anywhere anywhere when they're doing the movement or very little on the way down as well. And so if they even get any quad development, they definitely don't get much hamstring, especially if they're not doing any deadlifts or doing deadlifts properly. So you couple that all together and I see, I've seen complaints, I can't get my legs to grow, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and the reason why, again, is for is how they're doing it in their training, like they're not competing in powerlifting. And they're training like a competitive powerlifter before a contest would train to maximize the amount of weight moved. And in this instance, again, the amount of weight moved is not going to correlate to really good overall leg development because of the way they're performing the movement. Okay. So let's go back to a little bit of the bar placement. What does that ideal bar placement look like? Well, for one thing, it's not uh, – the, the rules in powerlifting are, I, I believe, if they still haven't changed, although people get away with even lower, is one inch below the top of the deltoids, if I remember correctly. It's been a while. But okay. there's a natural shelf there. Yep. But basically, uh, they are lowering it even further, which, by the way, is also contributing to shoulder issues. Yeah, and <laughs> and low back issues too, I assume. And low back issues for sure because they're back squatting even more, okay, putting even more pressure on the lower back. Um, in reality, you know, like I said, there is a more natural shelf, not on the traps, not on the neck, but just below the traps It's a, that is truly more natural than the back of the deltoids. And, and that's what mm-hmm. I would recommend anyone from a, if they're going to squat. Or even if they're able to front squat properly, I know that's very, very difficult for a lot of people, including for the flexibility of their upper body. Yes. Um, but at least it keeps you up. It forces you have done properly and done slowly and work your way up. If they're able to do that, um, they're able to keep upright as well. It kind of forces that whole issue of bending over at the waist and humping it with the lower back um, mm-hmm. from that standpoint. So. Yeah, because it's almost like it's basically it's in between like that upper trap and the shoulder blade, right? Is that that yep. bar placement? You can, I mean, you can feel it, especially you can really see it on people who um, have like really developed traps too. Um, with with the powerlifting belt, you mentioned about the uh, you know the the intral abdominal 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 <laughs> abdominal <laughs> abdominal pressure, you know uh, which what is that reminds me of by the way the snowman. <laughs> Yeah, Frosty the Snowman. Yeah, it's exactly what I was thinking. I saw like that. I saw like the cartoon character like in front of me the entire time, like just laughing at me. Um, Tell me when it's over. <laughs> so the the Valsalva maneuver is that when you're holding your breath, you know, under uh, immense pressure, and you're trying to uh, use that pressure. Which honestly, that during most exercises, I you know, I'll tell people not to use Valsalva maneuver that. Uh, deep breathing and holding your breath and trying to use all that pressure. But during squats, how do you feel about that holding of breath, like taking really big, deep breath before you get into that position? Well, to be frank, I've never really even thought about it. Really? <laughs> I know back, yeah, not today. I just breathe Yeah. Right, to kind of give you where I am today versus pre- previously. You know, as a power lifter, when I did power lift, of course, huge deep breath, you know, push out against the belt. And right. then and then let it out on the way up. 
I mean, that was that was how it was written, and that's how you know Powerlifting USA magazine. So I did that for years. Now I just make sure I breathe, especially since as I get older, I really don't want to have you know break blood vessels and things. <laughs> Believe yeah, it or important. not, going one of the things you change perspective is just making sure that I breathe, breathe period, and not sit there and hold my breath, you know, un- unconsciously hold it more than I should even from that standpoint, or just holding it period all the time. So, um, so yeah, that's just to be frank on that, Eric, I, 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 what is your recommendation? I guess at this point, like I said, back in the the old powerlifting days, you know, that, that was what you did, you know, to get in, and today again, I'm almost, uh, again, being in my mid fifties, I'm kind of like, okay. Uh, especially since, uh, by the way, I went to the eye doctor and he said that, um, in my latest eye exam, he did a retinal scan, not this period time, but previous time he said I had some, uh, minor blood vessel in my eyes, mm-hmm. you know, that were, um, ruptured or whatever. Yeah. So I, yeah. So I become a little bit paranoid about that and just making sure that I breathe. So what do you think? Well, here's, here's my deal. So, you know, going, going from like a textbook, you know, it's stressed that the Vassalva maneuver is not something you want to do. Even though there are there's research and there's studies that suggest, especially during lifts like the squat, that it can actually help you brace your core. And I'm talking about core in terms of like your low back, your abdominals, um, and 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 even into your rib cage. So if a person can get low enough to actually be effective in 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 developing and targeting your quads, then I don't I don't think there's any problem with holding your breath. Now now. I'm not talking about using uh, a belt. Like I'm taking the belt out of the whole thing. Um, I okay. I don't yeah. you know I don't I like don't... that. I mean for the for the for the people that I work with and for myself, obviously I, I don't lift that much weight to to need a belt. I don't train that way. I don't train my clients that way. But I don't have a problem with people holding their breath under in, in certain certain circumstances unless it it becomes um, and actually this is a, a good segue because we're we're gonna go into high repetition leg training, but you know, it's a matter of, can you keep that up? Because once you come up, you're going to be a little out of breath and you're gonna have to pause at the top for a few seconds and catch your breath and take another big deep breath and then go back down and work your way back up. So if you can, if you can maintain a a good threshold in breathing and you can get enough uh, depth out of the squat and you can, you can get enough uh, uh, abdominal pressure built up, to maybe get a little assistance and, and pressure, then I don't think anything's wrong with that as long as you can maintain those three. Okay. So yeah, I was, uh, in fact, you just kind of uh, talked leading into the second one. I think that's why I'm a little paranoid because I, I typically aren't, I'm doing higher repetitions and making sure that I'm, I'm again, I'm not using huge weights or anything. I'm not powerful. I don't use a belt. And again, I agree right. with you. If you're, if, unless, in, in fact, even for competitive powerlifters, I don't think they should use a belt until prior to the con, if they're in a, a meet, right. you know, and it, it's legal because it, it is, everybody's going to be using a belt and it is, uh, allows you to lift more weight. Um, but also when they train without it, they better give enough time to adapt to the belt because there is a difference um, oh, sure, sure, sure. In, 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 in how you perform the lifts and, it, and it's not a direct, you in fact, I, I really recommend that anyway for powerlifting because your core will get stronger and, but you need to give it enough time to adjust before the contest before you put the belt on, in my opinion. 
Yep, absolutely. So let's get right into the the low rep range for legs. Um, you know, we, we briefly touched on it before uh, about the, the muscle fibers that make up the leg and what the legs actually do. So what are your suggestions in terms of rep range, knowing that that weight does not necessarily correlate to overall development? Well, I, for me, I believe now if you're looking for maximum overall development um, period, you know, 20 is on the low end. Right. You know, and go as high as even 40 to 50. And, and it sounds, um, you know, if I was a state tech to, to most people, you know, in they'd think I was ludicrous in, in probably a good part of people would think I was ludicrous for for recommending that. But um, even just from a conditioning standpoint, which is if you're doing it um, right, you're going to also get some great conditioning that goes into play as well. And I, and I believe there's such a culture, again, that's built up against what the norm is, that that's why people, uh, again, you know, I, I mentioned this the last time, upper bodies are a dime a dozen across social media. And, and if you look at overall well-developed legs, where you go, wow, that person's legs, you know, are, are really developed. And I said, even to the point where bodybuilding has evolved to the physique where they're wearing board shorts and covering up their legs. Um, it, it just, again, lends that uh, no one has gotten or very few people have gotten over this this whole, I, I guess, history and barrier to going into the higher rep range and getting, you know, better results, you know, as, as a population. Yeah. So I, I think when you're, you're talking about that, because the leg muscles are such a large muscle group, the largest muscle groups that we have. So to really tax those large muscle groups that help us just walk around and stand and move all day long, it's a very endurance-related um, activity that your legs take on, hitting that higher rep range, again, like, let's keep keep the weight out of it. If you can focus on using extreme strict form and really pushing through hard repetitions when it really starts to burn and hurt and you're like, all right, that's enough – you know, taking those deep breaths, staying mentally focused and getting a few more reps and, and trying to push beyond that 20 rep range, uh, I think a lot of people would see much more uh, leg development. Yeah. in in part of it, I mentioned to you, it's extremely difficult to, uh, I've found, you know, f- to concentrate and keep um, proper form. And so what I do as a way to get to those higher rep sets is to do what I call, I don't know, you call, I've said, call them cluster sets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and really what that is, is, is uh, you know, a set of eight to ten um, with just a small amount of rest, five seconds. And believe it or not, it's enough, you know, f- just enough to drop the weight, you know, if you do a drop set, because typically that's what you're going to have to do is usually drop this, drop the weight or, or send up or send down yep. in these smaller sets of eight to 10 to make up, you know, for example, you know, five sets of eight, but it's really one set and it's just long enough to five or 10 seconds to, to gather yourself up and just and believe it or not, like I said, it's enough rest and, and then do the next quote set to mm-hmm. get to 40. And, and part of the reason I'm doing that also is because you can, re- again, when you're getting up towards 40 or 50, you're going to, it's, you're going to start to lose mental focus. And oh, that yeah. I, I found for me, even personally, just doing the, a, a little teeny rest 
you know, and then then because a lot of people, even when they've done the old 20 rep squat routine, they ended up resting five to 10 seconds, you know, related to the breathing you just talked about, too, is, you know, they're or, you know, they're sitting there standing there in a 20 rep squat and it ends up being a bunch of singles at the end, so to speak, because they're right. standing there for 10 seconds. Um, so this just recognizes that right out and just says, OK, I'm going to I'm going to take about five seconds in between to try and get up there. And, and the reason why is because I want to maintain proper form, the whole, the whole set. And, and the other thing is, is uh, in my opinion, beginners are going to have a hard time with it in general. And so breaking it down to, into smaller pieces can help with that, you know, cause people could execute better on a, on a quote, lower rep set per se, Good point. Um, but still, but still benefit from getting higher reps. Good point. Yeah, and it takes a little bit of planning with that too, because if you throw on uh, a couple of 45s on the bar, for instance, if you throw one on each side, well, then you have to go off, take each of those on, and then find new ways to put back on. So if you can, if you can like extrapolate the small weights even, or use like a 25 or a 35, just so you can take weights off or on, depending on where you start, um, that would help a lot. And yeah, I. Yep, for sure. In yeah. fact, you need to plan plan it out if you're able to do that. That's why also. Exactly. Machines can help too. Selectorized machines can help uh, from that. Definitely, you know, being effective. And and for me, I I, I basically have. That's why, for example, dumbbells. You know, I, I I'm a fan of the goblet squat. So me too. Dumbbells in the dumbbell rack make it really convenient to to do that. So yeah, and uh, the reason I want to touch on without getting too like scientific and nerdy. Um, that five to 10 second range, you know, especially five seconds, if you're resting five to 10 seconds, that gives your body just enough time to reaccumulate, um, an energy source, ATP, adenosine triphosphate. And if you use up a ton of ATP, a ton of that energy source, your body can, can extrapolate and get a lot of that energy back within five seconds. Now, once you do the squats again, or the exercise again, you're going to have less ATP. So it's going to build back 50% of what you did the set before. So, I mean, you're still going to be extremely, extremely taxed and tired, but that five seconds can actually be a huge benefit and buffer. So that was, uh, I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, yeah, and like, like I said, the biggest thing is to be able to connect it and focus properly and, and not just try and get, what you don't want to do, and it's still today after the many, many years that I've been training, is you get focused on getting the rep, okay? And really, you should be focused on working the muscle. And right. Connect to the muscle rather than I got to get nine. I'm at eight. I got to get nine. Okay. That's nine. You see what I'm saying? Okay. Yep, now oh, I got to get 10 and got to get 10. So definitely. Yep. So moving on, cause we, we kind of hit on it at the very beginning about weight, um, especially in the first episode of this whole segment, we talked about weight and I, I brought it up in a, and kind of, you know, we had a pretty good conversation after the first episode about why weight is definitely relative to the person. Let's say you're doing a leg extension and I don't know the number that you look, that you use, but if you're doing, let's say a hundred and let's just say 125 pounds, you know, and you're trying to hit that upper threshold of 50 repetitions, do you keep track of the weight that you're using each workout? How does that measure up? Well, I, I typically, I do keep track. And, and like I said, it really, there's so many variables, you know, even how you perform, there's so much variable of consistency. Of, well, let me put it this way. There's so much variability in how a person could perform a repetition that that even alone, besides all the other factors comes into play. 
and so I'll, for, I've been using the same weight uh, in most of my exercises for probably up to the last year. And, and that sounds, it, you got to remember where I'm at in my training, but what yep. I'm trying to do is focus on better in better repetitions, you know, every workout and how it's performed so that you, if I had 10 pounds on the leg extension, you wouldn't be able to tell if I had 10 or 100. Right. It would look the exact same way. And, and so that's why even at my age right now, mid 50s, coming up on mid 50s, I'm looking to make gains in my execution for how I do it. So there's just so many variables, you know, tweet, the, the, the way a person, the way a person specifically does a movement, it's very, very easy, uh, again, to, um, I don't know, I want to call it cheat, but have that mm -hmm. variability and be able to control it. That's why, like, like I said, to be able to master an exercise, there's nothing wrong with being able to truly master a few exercises and continue to expand. And a lot of people don't want to, they get bored and everything like that. But um, so that's kind of my philosophy on the, and way different, it's completely 180 degrees. If you work back three decades ago, every workout, I thought I had to add weight to the bar. If I didn't add weight to the bar, I wasn't making gains, man. I wasn't making right. those gains. <laughs> right. So... And, and then relative to the weight, you know, I, I give you, for example, when I was younger, you know, I could easily squat 400 for 10, you know, in, in, a, in a squat. In my overall leg development, as far as complete development, is better today than it was when I was in my 20s. Yeah. So, And that's just progress over time, too. And, and not to be cheesy, but, I mean, it's repetition. Learning, learning how to do the exercise first is so much more important than learning how just to, to manage yourself through a heavy weight. You know, I would much rather throw that 100, 125 pounds on a leg extension or, you know, like 300 pounds on a leg press and go through perfect form without having anything wobble or a feet adjustment or thinking to myself, I have to try to kick the weight up the next set. If I can go through nice and smooth and controlled, I mean, number one, let's Let's face it, I mean, everything that we're talking about really comes down to keeping yourself safe during the exercise so you're not injured. And, um, I mean, that's number one in training. And then, you know, your development can be, you know, in the top five <laughs> list of yeah. what, what you're trying to accomplish. Yep. So, sure. you know, learn, but I like that mastering a few good exercises. Master the technique of doing the exercises before you even worry about um, adding weight. Because once you add weight, then then you're you're basically like, trying to relearn the exercise because you have to know about how about your own tempo you have to know your own force you have to know all these different other um, nuances that are going to go along with adding weight to to an exercise um, yeah yeah so you look at the analogy of for some reason lifting weights is like oh yeah it's simple you know but if you look at all the movements and everything compared to other sports they're putting in hours and hours of, of of work uh, to perfect technique and everything. And, and it's thought of like the, in general that, oh yeah, I can just, uh, I, yeah, I'm an expert. You know, I just, I've, I've been lifting for a year. And so I, I know, you know, I know how to do all the movements perfectly correctly. It's, and, and that's just not the case. And, and I've, it, even today, like I said, after a lot of years, it, it, you know, lifting, you know, I don't feel I'm there yet. I'm just finally starting to round the corner, you know, and they, and whether you can call it the 10,000 hour rule or whatever, I don't know if yeah. you've read that, but, um, yep. but anyway, 
No, you're absolutely right. The the amount of work that if you cycle back to when we we're talking about uh, powerlifters, the amount of work that they just do on a single lift is you know it's incredible. Rather than you know another sport where they're practicing so many different parts of their sport. You know they're not just sitting there yep. practicing how to uh, basketball, how to dribble a ball, right? I mean they're practicing basically how to score that bucket. And there's so many different ways to do that. But when you're focusing on um, a lift, you're, you're literally, you are, you really are becoming a master of that one movement during that one time. And that's, that's really impressive. That's really, if you really think about that, because the, again, the mental focus it takes to stick with that, something like that, because there's really, I mean, once you're doing a deadlift or a squat or a bench press or shoulder press or whatever it is, that's, you're all in to that one exercise. <laughs> that's really impressive. Yep, for sure. Yeah. So let's, you know, working our way kind of down the body a little bit. Uh, we touched briefly in the first episode about the the lower leg, and I'm talking about um, the calves and the feet with ankle mobility. So where do you stand on on the importance of your feet, your health, uh, foot health, and ankle health? Well, it's uh, <laughs> where do I stand on ankle? Well, <laughs> right? Did you like that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Put it that way. I've never, never thought of it that way. But that's well, funny. one thing is, is don't neglect ne- neglect it because, like right. I said, it's really super easy to neglect, especially calves, and, and think of it as an afterthought. And you have to get, have it just as as important as is, you know, your front quads, which everybody you know everybody says, oh, I got to have develop my quads. And and I think you need to have it just as high on the priority list and, and not put it down the list, so to speak, when you're talking about what you're trying to develop. Yeah. You know what? It's kind of funny. Like the, the quads are kind of like the pecs of the lower body. You know, yeah. like every like everybody wants to everyone wants to show off their pecs. They don't, you know, granted, you know, you do see a lot of people flexing their back and stuff on Instagram and all other stuff. If you, if you look at that, which is great, which because, you know, that means they're focusing on um the, I, what I think is the most important part of the body, which is the back, um, your back all the way, like your entire backside of your body, I think is, is very, very important. But, um, yeah, people want to sh- like, they want to show the, the, they want to flash their show muscles, right? And the quads are a show muscle rather you know, how many people do you see flashing pictures of like their hamstrings and calves? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Especially hamstrings. Yeah. Like, but if you see somebody with, and I, you know, I'm, and I'm not saying I have like the most developed hamstrings in the world, but uh, you know, if I see somebody who has really athletic hamstrings, that's that's impressive, and it takes a ton of work. Um, so, you know, from from my perspective, when I'm thinking about when I'm when I'm looking at somebody doing a squat, and I, I'll just take for instance uh, the goblet squat because it's a really good progression to like a front squat and a back squat. Um, one of the things that I notice is where the toes track over the knees, how far apart the the ankles and the feet are. Uh, from each other, you know, if you're standing really wide, you're standing close, and that has a lot to do with uh, people's hip mobility, also. But without getting off track, I see a lot of people who don't know how to display their toes and to get full use out of their toes while maintaining um, a little bit of pressure on the heel too, uh, because then you know you're you're worried about leaning forward, which will collapse your upper back, which will lead into all sorts of uh, other issues and injuries, but Focusing on on ankle mobility. If you do a quick um, a quick search, maybe like especially for uh, what are those guys' names? The prehab guys have a lot of really good ankle mobility exercise. 
options and just getting familiar with how your ankles track and how deep you can go before you feel like your knees are starting to collapse in going vagus and valgus in and out and uh and where you stand as far as <laughs> this is really funny to say that kind of stuff but but where you stand in terms of back on your heels are you dead center under your hips or do you lean forward more and how you can kind of get comfortable adjusting a little bit because you do want the right amount of pressure on your toes and your heels you don't want to be leaning too far forward and not too far back no, thoughts some... <laughs> 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 questions concerns Nope. Um, um I just good to me. Yeah, right. <laughs> I just I see that a lot when, you know, and I just have people just do a especially their very first appointment, first five appointments typically, I'll really monitor that squat because you're incorporating such a large muscle group and a lot of uh, muscle mass. I'll just say do a bodyweight squat for me. Let's see you see what we look like and without giving any instruction at all. I'll just kind of drop into a squat myself and come back up and I'll watch people do it and immediately I see their knees go in, their ankles uh, kind of, they flex. I mean, I've seen people push their ankles out, their feet collapse in. So you get a lot of, a lot of um, pronation, supination in the ankle and the foot uh, rotates in many different directions. But, uh, and then we can work on some like, you know, ankle stability and mobility and things like, like that. So uh, basically without getting into, you know, driving down into uh, what a ankle program should look like, just just be aware of your ankles when you're squatting. If you're not getting really deep into your squat, which you should focus on, take a look at your ankles uh, and and see if you're, just try to notice if you're leaning too far forward or, you know, if you're sitting way too far back on your heels, like you feel like you're going to fall backwards because you don't want that either. Um, anyway, so going along with other parts of your legs that people don't think about are your hips, right? So Again, we I mentioned the uh, the abduction ad, abduction machine um, in our last episode, the machine that most guys don't want to tackle. But what is your take on how important the hips are? Well, I, I, again, I don't think I've ever seen anybody. Um, oh, let me put it this way: the majority of people don't include it in their program or even talk about it. Um, super, so in, super important. I, and yeah, and so you know, if you were back again in time a while ago, I, you know, I it wouldn't have been even a thought or a neuron in my brain. But again, we're talking about, especially for an athlete, you know, I, I think it's imperative that they are get balanced and they work all the muscle groups appropriately. Because uh, misbalance, in my in my own personal opinion, when you start getting imbalances more than calling it misbalances, but imbalances is when you can start to have issues. Um, so it's right up there again with important, just like the calves, it, it, it shouldn't be down the list or not even on, at least calves are, were on the list. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, Calve, yeah. People, you talk to people and you say, work, work hips. They go, what, what are you talking about? Hip. Okay. And, uh, so I don't know, what do you think as far as the whole perception of people when you're talking about lists of uh, again, calves are actually on the list of muscle groups for the majority of people, but you know, what do you think? I think hips are one of the overlooked things because they're being used in exercises like a leg press, um, a deadlift, a, a you know, squats and things like that, and a lunge even. But I think that's that's where it that's where it stops. I think is just with those exercises. So. 
Um, it's just like, to me, it's kind of like looking at the hips to me look like biceps. So yes, they're being worked during things like a pull down, uh, pull ups, bent over rows, seated rows, all those kind of things. But they, they, when I say this loosely, they need to be targeted because the hips are so crucial to how your lower back can handle weight, how the rest of your legs can handle weight, how much pressure can your glutes hold. Um, whereas like, you know, the biceps, you know, it, it doesn't take nearly as much to develop them, but they, they may not get over overlooked as much as hips do. So especially for athletes that do a lot of cutting that aren't just running in one direction. Uh, but even for those people who are like sprinters and things like that, they definitely need to target the hips. And if you have an adduction, adduction machine and you're not using it, start incorporating it into your program. Um, you know, aim for those, those heavyweight high reps, stay in good form and, uh, and don't be afraid of that machine. Now, if you don't have that machine, there are definitely some manual exercises you can, you can get into, or you can, and this might not be everybody's favorite, but you can also use those ankle bands that go around your ankles or your knees to target the abductors, which are the muscles on the outside. And your adductors won't be, won't get hit, but to really target that area, you're going to need something to isolate it. Like, uh, and there's really nothing better than a, an ad ab machine. So uh, I think that it definitely needs to be focused on more, more men, especially need to use it. And, uh, and yeah, that's how I think about it. <laughs> I, I think it's actually getting a, a little bit more visibility because I hope so. some of the, some of the bodybuilders, but more infamous bodybuilders and people in, in, uh, some of the, whether it's uh, YouTube or whatever, are, are a few of them I've seen actually use it. And I, of course, shocked when I do see it. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. So let's, because you, you and I definitely discussed uh, calves, calf training. What are the crucial aspects of training your calves? Because some people that I talk to, and even to a fault, myself included, they're, I don't target every single client's calves maybe like, um, you know, for development because we're getting a lot of use out of them every day. And, but they're, they're super important for knee stability. And if you, if you really want to develop your legs, having, having calves, good looking calves are definitely, uh, at the top of people's lists. So how do you train calves and what are some pretty important things to keep in mind? So I think uh, for one thing, the biggest, what I see is people using way too much weight and uh whether that's on the seat especially on the seated calf and not using full range of motion and what i found is just simple uh, believe it or not just simple um calf raises and getting full uh uh full ex i i guess um contraction of your calves most yep. people don't get that in, in using my body weight um majority of the time use my body weight uh when i'm working my calves and yeah. really focus yeah. on getting, uh, uh, you know, up on the ball of my foot and actually f getting a full contraction. And same thing of, of what I'll also do is put my calves in a stretch position by leaning over, you know, putting my arms out and leaning over and doing calf raises that way as well and making sure that uh, I'm, I'm staying tight and pulling with my heels down to the floor as well at the same time. And then, and then in from a stretch position, a very safe stretch position, by the way, um, go uh, again, just using my, well, it'd be partial body weight because my body's at an angle, 
but getting full full contractions and, and actually hold as well for one to two seconds. Right, and, exactly. Yep. And again, and again, higher repetitions. Yeah, and that cycles back to you know because if obviously people will want to throw a bunch of weight on either a bar or a machine or use heavy dumbbells, but mastering that full range of motion, especially in the calf, is crucial because there. I mean, it could take you to a whole new level of uh, training when you really start to to get into calf work. Um, and again, like the first episode we we talked about, just start flat footed on the ground. With yep. and 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 go nice and slow and try to push your toes into the ground at the very top and get as much flexion out of that calf, uh, basically till it feels like it's almost like a, I don't want it to cramp, but it will feel like that at the peak of the calf, and then you can slowly come out of it. Don't just drop down. Don't use momentum. Don't let gravity have its way with you. You control yourself back down. Get a about a half second or two pause at the bottom, and then come back up again, controlled, feel the motion all the way through, pause at the top, slow back down. Uh, start with two feet, maybe work your way to one, as long as you can get full range of motion. Again, this is all gonna be predicated on if you have really good ankle mobility and you really know how to work through that full range of motion. And then you can add um, maybe a little bit of elevation by putting your foot on a board or um, maybe like a platform of some sort to let your cap, your heel drop lower than your foot. And then you can kind of work your way through that. Um, anything to add to that? Yeah, and also, you know, you could use a dumbbell on the opposite hand. Yes. You know, or, or holding a dumbbell, period. I, right. I do that as well. Um, yeah. The other, the other thing is, is I, I really, uh, to really connect into my calves, which again, not I wasn't even any, anywhere near in the ballpark I am now and be able to, to feel it in my calves appropriately, is timed um, holds in the contracted position. I found that to be really effective at getting the, the feel of it oh, and okay. even potentially. Yeah. So I've done, you know, for example, 30 second holds in the contracted position. And again, on the, on properly on your foot, not in actually feeling that. So I've done that as well as a way to, you know, kind of connect in and, and make it even more effective. And, and yeah, keep keeping track of, okay, I did five time holds, you know, at 30 seconds in the top position. Okay. And, um, so that's one other th a variation on a theme that I've done. Okay, good, good, good. And not to neglect the, uh, the front of the, of the shin, right? Correct. That's why I said when you're coming, even when you're doing it from the floor, you want to try and pull, you know, pull the, and, and that's the only way I can describe it. And I can think of how it feels is pulling yourself back down very controlled in, in using that, that front part of the shin as well to do it. Right. Well, Bill, I think we hammered the first, uh, the first part of this leg breakdown. So when we come back, when we go back for our next podcast, we're going to really um, start to talk about not neglecting uh, the back of the legs. We're going to talk a little bit more about hamstring and calf development. Um, low rest times and cramming as much work as, as possible. We're going to get even deeper into that. We, we touched about it. We touched on it today, but we're going to dive in a little bit more and, um, and we can kind of go from there. And then after that, I think what we're going to talk about is we're going to go into a little bit of back training. So to how, how to develop a strong back, what move, what movements to focus on, uh, timing, etc. So, um, Bill, anything to finish the podcast on? 
No, I I think we uh, covered more even than uh, we had planned. Yeah, we did, <laughs> which is good. That's good, though. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're pulling a lot of information out, and I think uh, people are going to get a ton out of it. So um, I'll link all of these, all these topics and notes in the show notes. And, Bill, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Eric. Talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you'd like to suggest a topic or be a part of the show, Get in touch with Eric on any social media platform at Eric Feigl or email fcp at ericfeigl.com. Make sure to check back every Tuesday and Thursday for more fitness candor. Mm-hmm.